If you would, you join me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Mark, chapter number 10. We've, we continue our studies in the book of Mark. We've been in it probably, probably almost all year long and uh, enjoying the study. I really am. I enjoyed last week, and uh, I trust that uh, you enjoyed last week. We had, oh, several folks saved and several folks joined the church, and uh, one uh, uh, 99-year-old lady gave up dancing. I mean, had a move of God last week, man, I'll tell you. Amen. It's good to see you. Now, take your Bible, if you would, please. And uh, we're going to continue chapter number 10. And uh, as you know, the chapter opened with uh, the Pharisees question our Lord about divorce and remarrying and so forth and so on. And that's in the early part of the verses. And he took a little child and uh, gave them an object lesson of who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And then he was confronted with a rich young ruler. You remember that fellow came and said, Lord, what must I do? What good thing can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, go sell all you have, give it to the poor, come and follow me. And he just could not handle that, the Bible said, because he had great riches. And then he said, how hardly, how hard, how difficult is it for a rich man to go to heaven? And then Jesus made this statement, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven. The disciples are listening. And Peter says in verse number 28, Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. Hold your place right there a minute and go back to Matthew chapter 19, would you please? Just turn right back to Matthew 19. Peter said, We've left all to follow thee. That young man wouldn't give up anything to be saved, to go to heaven. And we've left all to follow thee. Matthew gives us another perspective in verse 27. Then, our chapter 19 and verse 27, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? What's in it? For me. I read on. And Jesus said unto them in Matthew. Verily I say unto you. That ye which follow me in the regeneration. When the son of man. Shall sit. In the throne of his glory. Ye also shall sit. Upon twelve thrones. Judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone, might I underline that, and everyone, not just the disciples, and everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother. Now all the commentaries and translations leaves this next one out. Or wife. Well, I can't go, preacher. The wife won't let me. Amen. Adios, amigo. Every commentator that I have read, 
And every translation other than the King James omits wife. God knows man not supposed to leave his wife to serve God. Man knows it, but God don't. Does your Bible say our wife? Got quiet. I don't understand that. I didn't mean to get it quiet. This is supposed to be a noisy church. How many men have been hooked to a skirt and under the verdict of the Roman church and Roman dogma and not Bible doctrine has said, well, I've got to salvage my home above everything. No, you don't. Not above everything. That's Sunday morning. See, this is what I was supposed to be preaching Wednesday night. <laughs> Wonder why I mentioned wife. Because they ask him about wives in verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Wonder why he mentioned wives. Well, I'll tell you one thing, but if you're going to serve God, you're going to do it without me. You got that right. Preacher, you're going to split my home? No, it's already split. Fellow, if you ain't the head of the house, you're the tail of the mouse. Our wife. Let's go on now. Because it's, it's not going to be that bad. I just thought I'd throw that out there to get you thinking. That's all. Just to get you thinking. It's amazing. Our children. Our lands. Now notice. For my sake. Not for any sake. Jesus said for my sake. Shall receive a hundredfold. Now, if you notice over in the book of Mark, we can go back to Mark. And Mark helps us a little bit. Mark 10, verse 29, he said, he said, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you that there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Does that mean he get a hundred wives? He left that out of this verse. He didn't put wives and fathers in this verse. He didn't put wives and fathers in this verse. He said houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution. And in the world to come eternal life. But many that shall be versed shall be last and the last first. God's economy somehow or another does not work like our economy. And when I read that in Matthew and in Mark, I... I, I, I said to myself, what an arrogant, unchristian, self-centered, egotistical individual 
Peter must be. What's in it for me? I'm chairman of the board of me. I got to look out for me. Nobody is going to look out for me but me. And I thought to myself, surely Peter would be the one to be so selfish to say, what's in it for me? Don't that sound kind of non-Christian to you? I wonder if anybody here, the thought ever occurs to you, what's in it for me? And I just, you know, I've already messed up the sermon by talking about wives a while ago. And don't you, don't you think I'm fixing to leave mine? She totes. And she would shoot me if I left. She is so fortunate to have me. Does it seem to you that Peter is complaining? I mean, the rich young ruler didn't spend one dime. He left with the same money he came with. He left with the same prestige, the same power, the same authority. Why, he left just like he came. And your old Peter is, he's not fishing anymore. He's left his business. He's left his family. And by the way, Peter had a wife. I think that because he had a mother-in-law. The penalty for polygamy is multi-mother-in-laws. Hold mine down, mama. Don't let her loose. Don't let her get mad at me. It seems to me that Peter is complaining. Mark Twain said, don't complain and talk about all your problems. 80% of people don't care and the other 20 are glad you're in them. (laughs) Don't complain. It seems to me, though, that Peter is complaining. Out west, the cowboy was driving down a dirty road in his pickup truck. And with his dog in the back of the truck and the horse in the trailer. Is that Texas or what? Is that what? My wife and I was going through Dallas one day and one of those little dogs in the back of the truck, 18, would come off, sucked him right out of the back of the truck and he hit the ground. And I stopped and did my rights over him. (laughs) But a cowboy and his dog and his horse was driving down the road. It don't do any good to complain. Suddenly went around a curve too fast, didn't realize it, but the car and the truck turned over and it rolled out in the country. And I'll tell you, that trailer, it just went crazy. A little while later, a highway patrolman walked up and he loves animals with all of his heart. And he just did not know what to do. And he looked at the horse and he lay there just squirming and shaking and just about to die. He pulled out his gun and pow, shot that horse dead right there in that trailer. Did. 
He walked over to the truck and the dog was laying there on his side with his old tongue hanging out, blood running out his nose, and he, he's gone for, pow, he shot that dog. That's my sound effect over here. And he looked for the driver and he found him over there in, a, in the bushes, man. I mean, he's got a broke arm, a broke leg. He's bleeding at the nose and his ears tore off. And he said, how you doing? The guy said, looking at that gun, I never felt better in my life. <laughs> Notice something in the text. Jesus did not criticize Peter for asking the question. What's in it for me? If that had been wrong, Jesus would have rebuked him. But Jesus did not rebuke the man for asking Peter, what's in it for me? Instead, Jesus answered his question. What's in it for me? Have you ever asked that question? See, what we need to realize is salvation is free. Amen. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is free. But rewards are, are earned. Amen. Rewards are earned. I don't know where we got the idea that heaven is going to be a socialistic kind of governing where that everybody is going to get the same thing, live in the same kind of house, and get the same rewards. In other words, if Jim is doing a good job, he's going to take from Jim and give to somebody else because that's the way socialism works and that's surely what heaven is going to be. I bet you it's not a person in this place has not asked that question, what's in it for me? If you do this, I'll do that. I just wonder, have we ever asked, why should I pray? Why should I give? Now, why should I go to church? If everybody's going to float around in heaven and move into their own castles, great, big, large, golden mansions... If, if everybody gets that, why in the world should I pray? Why should I work? Why should I serve? Why should I give? Why should I go to church? What's in it for me? It's a good question. I wonder, does God work on the incentive program? I wonder... If maybe Ecclesiastes 4 9, they have a good reward for their labor. I wonder if you've read Jeremiah, Isaiah 1 23, everyone followeth after reward. Jesus didn't condemn Peter for asking what's in it for me. Because Jesus knew Peter from stern to stern, did he not? And he knows you and I too. And some of us need to get off our holy do-nothing and realize if we don't do something, we ain't going to get anything. What's in it 
for me. Preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. Matthew 5, 12, great is your reward in heaven. Matthew, Mark 9, 41, shall not lose their reward. Wow. You mean to tell me it's natural for us to want to know what's in it for me? You mean old Peter wasn't out on a limb when he said, hey, I've left everything. Now, what do I get in return? I see right now some of your Christianity is already cracked. Have you read Matthew 10, verse 32 through 33? Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Incentives is part of our DNA, it's built in. And God built it that way. I want you to know, but bless the Lord, the Bible says, Matthew eleven twenty eight, come unto me, I'll give you rest. Matthew six thirty three, seek me first, and my righteousness, then all of these things shall be added unto you. Hey, those things are not free, those things are earned. Well, I'm sorry I didn't mean to make you mad. Matthew 4, 19, he told those fishermen, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Where do we get the idea we can just sit around on our do nothing and God just going to shower us with rewards because we're so deserving. I told you this is a Wednesday night message. Luke 6, 38, have you ever read that? Give, and it shall be given unto you. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, shaking down the run over, shall men give to your bosom. Hey, there is an incentive, DNA, in every one of us wanting to know what's in it for us. You say, not me, preacher. I'm holy. Touch me after the service. I need some of that. (laughs) Humanity demonstrates again and again. There's a great book called Freakonomics. Written by rogue economists. And it demonstrates how incentives governs the behavior of everyone from a public school teacher to a sumo wrestler. Incentives. Incentives. Do you work just because you like to work? Do you get up early in the morning and fight the traffic downtown Fort Worth to punch a clock because you like to hear it go clunk? Or is there an incentive... Built into why you get up and why you get in that car and why you fight the traffic and why you hit that clock. There is an incentive built in. You do this. And they said, I'll do that. 
Do you ever ask your boss what's in it for me? <laughs> Come on, get off your holy, holy robes just a minute. All of us has this problem. Many government bureaucracies are inefficient and wasteful because the employees cannot profit from their labor. If they save tax money, it just goes back into the treasure and to be redistributed to another agency. The reason our government is so inefficient and wasteful is because there's nothing in it for them. They have no reason to work hard. They have no reason to put forth effort. And it's a shame that Karl Marx did not read our history books of the pilgrims when they came to this country. When the pilgrims came to this country, they landed and began to work and all land was held in common. All labor and all products and all fruit was put into a common store. The pilgrims almost starved to death until the leaders said, you can have that piece of land and you can work that piece of land and you can have what that land produces and you'll put your tax in the common store. So thusly, bankruptcy, starvation was history. A built-in incentive What's in it for me? I thought that was a pretty good question. I got mad at Peter at first. I said, Peter, I'm a better Christian than you are. I said, that is a very selfish thing to ask. And then I realized how often maybe I've asked that question myself. But in heaven, Jesus is not going to take from me And give to you. And Jesus is not going to take from you. And give to me. But he did answer the question. Did he not? And I like the way he answered the question. He said. Peter before you even. Go too far. Let me just. Tell you something. Everyone. In Matthew, in Mark, no man hath left anything, but what I will not restore it a hundredfold. In this life and life eternal in the world to come. What's in it? For me. I thought that was a good question. I read one time in 1 Corinthians 3 about the judgment seat of Christ. It talks about rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm saved by grace. I'm going to heaven by grace. I cannot work my way to heaven. I cannot buy my way to heaven. I cannot be holy enough to go to heaven. 
I'm saved by grace. God's unmerited favor. He just bestowed his favor upon me. And 47 years ago, I asked him to save me. I gave him my life. He came in and he began to change and eradicate, take away, put in. I thank God for grace. Amen. And ain't nobody going to get to heaven and brag about it. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But if there is a light bill in heaven, and you're going to pay your light bill with what you're sending on ahead, you better take a candle with you. I do know this. They are treasures in heaven. I don't know what we're going to do with them. But there are treasures. Let me help you a little bit. I like to read for you these verses. That way if I don't say anything that you'd like, at least you'll get something out of the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, I want you to look at this if you would please. And this is what our Lord has in mind. In verse number 9, 1 Corinthians 3 and 9, that incentive DNA, that thing that's built into us. For we are laborers together with God. You got that? Ye are his husbandry and ye are his building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me. As a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Another man buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now notice this. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, and then wood, hay, and stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Paul said the work would be sorted out in six different areas. As we build on the foundation of God, as we build the kingdom of God, the church of the Lord Jesus, there are... Different materials that will be reckoned. We have gold, silver, is that right? Precious stones. Now listen to me. If you take gold and silver and precious stones and throw them on the fire, the fire is just going to make them more precious. No matter how hot the fire, no matter how long the fire, when the fire is out... There's still gold, silver, and precious stone. Is that not so? Okay, then there are materials, wood, hay, and stubble. What happens to wood, hay, and stubble when you throw that on the fire? It's consumed. Now let's read the next verse. And the Bible says, If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, He shall receive a what? Reward. If you can sing. Wake up. 
if you even try to sing in the choir in the in the shower. And you come to church. And there's an opportunity to sing in a choir. And you go right against your will and say, well, I'm going to do it even though, bless God, I have something else to do. And you get up there and you sing. Now that's gold, silver, and precious stones. And one of these days that'll be thrown on the fire. And for those folks of you, who used your talent, your abilities for the glory of God, you'll receive a reward. But you Haywood and Stubble folk like to bless us with your presence by singing specials. You're too good. You're too professional to sing with a crowd. And when you get to heaven at the general seat of Christ, he'll throw that on the fire. I'm afraid that might just be wood, hay, and stubble. And I'm afraid it will disappear and you will have lost the reward that the talent that God has placed in you and given you. You will lose the reward of not using that talent for God. What's in it for me? Reward or loss of reward? Preacher, this is a Sunday night message. Well, the way we're going, we'll be preaching it Sunday night. Not really. Not really. It's okay. It's okay. What's in it for me? It's okay if you join a church. And ask the preacher, or ask the associate, or ask the co-pastor, or ask one of the staff. What benefit can my family have? We have something for every member of the family. I don't care who it is. We have an organized program for children, for Spanish, for alcoholics, for addicts. You name it. We've got a program for you. We've got a place for you. It's okay to say what's In it for me at Joshua Baptist Church. Everything but good preaching. What's in it for me? I find three truths in about two minutes. Three truths from the text. Notice if you would please. Jesus said follow him. He said no man. No man. Having left. Houses and lands. As I sat and thought about that, and I'm just, I'm done. Just about. I thought about this. Following Jesus may cause you to leave what is familiar. Following our Lord may cause you to leave what is familiar. Now me being raised in the country from whence I came, there is something that has been very important drilled in my life, all my life, and it's this phrase, the old home place. That's something we've forgotten, something we've forsaken in America. 
But when I was a kid, that was important to the whole family, the old home place where I was raised. Right there is the first time I fell off the porch. That window is the window through which the wire went up to the great high pole so we could listen to the radio and listen to Sergeant Preston from the Royal Mounties and the Lone Ranger and all of those real ungodly programs. (laughs) And it was that window that we reached out and turned the antenna for our snowy black and white TV, the old home place. It's not important anymore. It's important to me. And I made it important to my family. I said there'll be a place where they can come back and they can look back and say, the old home place. That's stupid. I know that. But I'm allowed a little stupid. Amen. (laughs) But following Jesus may cause you to leave that which is familiar in your life. Peter said, I have forsaken all. I have left all. You know why a lot of folk don't surrender to preach? They can't leave home. They can't get mama's approval. Hello? Answer your phone now. Notice, he said, you might have to leave your occupation. He's no fisherman anymore. You may have to leave where you work if you want to follow Jesus. But there'll be something in it for you. A hundredfold in this life and eternal life in the life to come. Preacher, you don't understand. I cannot. That's where I make my living. That's where you need to straighten it out. You do not make your living. God gives you your living. You may have to leave your occupation to follow Jesus. You may have to leave your house where you live. You may have to leave your family who you live with. Notice it says houses. It says brethren. It says cistern. It says wives. It says father. And then it says land. And the Hebrew word for land in this and the Greek word for land means hammock, field, or country. You may have to go where it's not familiar. You may have to go to Thailand like Randy and like the Cones. You may have to go to Old Mexico. I hope not. But you might have to. But you might have to just serve Jesus. You might have to leave that which is familiar. There is no way in this world I would jerk my kids out of this church for a 50 cent an hour raise. There's no way I'd throw my kids and my family to the discretion of the devil and out there in the world where there's nobody loves us and no family. You say, preacher, how are you going to have a hundredfold sisters and brothers? Look here. Some of you folks can't hardly wait till your brothers and sisters leave. You joined our church and gained 2,500 or 3,000. We brothers and sisters here. 
Somebody says, well, I don't know what I'd do with a hundred houses. Uh, well, he said that maybe if you just think about it, what makes a home brick and cement or something else? Man, since I got saved, I got the best family in the world. Mine are six kids and one wife. I am happy. <laughs> I knew that sucker would say that. But check them out. I realize I need help raising my family. And I don't need a village. I need a church. I need loving women who show my girls how to be women. And I need men who will show my young men how to be men and how to be honorable men and how to respect a a girl's purity and not want to rob some girl of the only thing God gave them to bargain with all out of lust. We need men who will show our young men how to be godly men. And I'm saying to you, bless your heart, Jesus said, now if you leave a house, I'll restore it a hundredfold. If you leave your family, I'll restore it a hundredfold. If you leave your land, I'll restore it a hundredfold. But now you might have to leave that which is familiar. And following Jesus is always, following Jesus is always accompanied with blessings and rewards. When I drive by this church and I drive by all the properties and I, I, I look at what God has done and what God is doing. And I look at the property that God has just thrown in her lap. And I look at last week, folks from there all the way to there, around here, getting saved, coming to Christ, getting born again. And, and, I, and I look at all of that, and not one time have I ever said, I wish I was still a tool and die maker. Not one time. Do I wish I still had my own business? Man, the greatest business in all the world is God's business. But now, to follow Jesus, I had to leave the familiar. It was tough. When that school in California said, if, if you'll send Andrew out here to look at the college We'll pay his way and the expenses all the time he's here. Andrew was a junior or sophomore. And boy, it's tough putting that little red-headed booger on that plane and send him all the way across the country. But God called him to preach. And that meant probably to follow the Lord. He probably had to leave some things that familiar. And he is out there in that dormitory bed about this big. One John for seven or eight boys just enjoying Jesus. 
And I'd call him and I'd say, son, I saw a 10 point today. At this. He was at your feeder. But son, don't worry about it. I'll take care of him for you. Do you think Andrew cussed a little? Look, no man having forsaken anything without there's something in it for you. Isn't that night? You may have to leave the familiar, but if you do, I promise you, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. There is no way under heaven I could have put all this together. Now, not in my most brilliant hour, which has never occurred yet. I could never put this together. When I started this church, my wife and I, my vision was a double wide trailer. With an air conditioning sticking out the window and me preaching the gospel. You say, preacher, where's your vision? I just told you what it was. Just a double wide trailer someplace where that I could preach the gospel. That's it. We put a sign out on the highway. Said Gene Wolfenbarger preaching. And folk just kept coming. And they just kept a coming. And we rented some more buildings. And we bought some more land. And we bought some more land. And we bought some more land. And I want you to know. Ain't God good. What you need to do. Now, this is original, I guess. Because I didn't read it anywhere. Make yourself God's responsibility. Take your hands off. Take your hands off. Not my money, not my house, not my wife, not my house, not my dogs, not my cats. Lord, they're yours. Make yourself God's responsibility. And he said, watch me start adding houses and brothers and sisters and brethren. Ain't God good. I close. Following Jesus always and ultimately leads to heaven. Ain't that good? It leads to heaven. The Bible says life eternal. That's That's what Mark said. He said the world to come, eternal life. Now, I think we ought to take care of the earth. I really do. No, I don't. I'm not too worried about rattlesnakes. In fact, I wish they'd have a shark attacked and every one of them attacked each other. I'm an animal activist. That's what I am. I think, we ought to, I think we ought to take care of the earth. I don't think we ought to, I don't, I don't think we ought to garbage it up and ruin it. But I don't think you ought to worship 
the earth. Because if you do, one of these days, God's going to set her on fire and she's just going to... And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. That is the world to come. And in the world to come, if you'll follow Jesus, you'll have eternal life in the world to come. Man, I like that. Yeah. Titus said that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. First John said, and this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. First John 5 and 11, this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whether you like it or not, I'm done. If you were to die right now, right now, you say, I'm not going to. How do you know that? How do you know that? Every day on the news, without exception, somebody has killed somebody. Somebody has stabbed somebody. Somebody's found dead. Somebody, and they're all younger than I. I've had funerals for caskets this large. I've had caskets this large. It wasn't too many days ago, somebody called me from Mexico. And the quivering voice on the phone said, Preacher, would you come? Cody just killed himself. I said, you're kidding. Oh, he got caught up in video games. And got addicted to games. So drastic that he starts selling his clothes. Get money to play video games. Until those video games numbified him to death. Nothing to death. He sees it every day. He sees it on the games. It's nothing to it. Look at that. Look at it. Look at that. Until he put a thirty-eight pistol in his mouth. And it was done. Game over. At the grave, I preached on the rich man in hell. Today could be your first day of eternity. And I just want you to know, there is no reason in this world for you to leave this place with any doubt in your heart that you're one of God's children. We're not talking about Baptist, Catholic, Pentecost. We're not talking about any of that at all. We're not talking about any of that. Baptist is not going to get you to heaven. In fact, it may hold you back a little bit. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man come of the Father but by me. I'd say, Brother Jim, just about every Sunday, of the existence of this church, somebody has come to Christ. Somebody has been saved. Somebody has accepted the Lord. You say, preacher, I didn't see it here. No, but there's a couple of children's churches going on at the same time this is going on. Uh, There's a Spanish church going on at the same time this is going on. I wonder today, is there any good reason why you 
won't accept Christ as your personal Savior today. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I said a good reason. A good reason. 